0: This podcast is brought to you by Jess Liederman, the author of a new best-selling novel entitled Heart Set Free. Please listen to podcast number 709, where in Greg's interview with Jess, they discuss his transformation from being an atheist to surrendering his life to Christ, and how he now writes stories that reveal truths that change lives. Truths of the heart. Heart Set Free is an epic work of historical fiction that begins in the Alaska Territory in 1925 as a boy and his mother go in search of a man who abandoned them for a beautiful woman and continues into present day. It's a riveting tale of men and women who journey from the darkness of doubt to triumphant faith and from the ache of loneliness to everlasting love. Please listen to podcast number 709 with author Jess Lederman as we explore the wonders that come from faith in the grace and power of God's loving heart. Thanks for listening.
1: Welcome back to inside personal growth. This is Greg voice and the host of inside personal growth. And Mark, uh, as I do every time I come on these shows, I have to thank the listeners because the listening audience just keeps growing. Uh, we never know where they're coming from. And for all of you out there from around the world, Germany and India and China that I get into this show. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I hope you're enjoying the shows. Please give us feedback uh, and contact our authors as well uh, and obviously get their books. And today from San Clemente is actually a friend. Um, I have known his wife longer than Mark, but Mark Samuel is the uh, the author of a book called B-State and a new roadmap for bold leadership, brave culture, and breakthrough results. Good day to you, Mark. How you doing?
2: I'm doing great, and and thanks, Greg, for having me on. It's really uh, great to connect with you. It
1: is as well, and we did a podcast a while back ago for Mark, had a book called Indispensable, and he's really known uh, in the industry as well for his accountability trainings, and so I'm going to direct all my listeners, if they would, to go to MarkSamuel.com to learn more about him. But also, there's a great book website for this book with a video, um, some special offers, downloading the chapters, um, all of that kind of stuff at bestate, Uh Go there, check it out, tools, results. Uh, you can contact Mark through that, or you can reach him at marksamuel.com. Well, Mark, I'm going to let the listeners know a little bit about you. He's a thought leader and CEO of IMPAQ. It's an award-winning international consulting firm that guides organizations in achieving measurable breakthrough results. And within six months through a unique system that links execution, culture, and deliverables As I had mentioned, he's the best-selling author of acclaimed uh, book called Creating the Accountable Organization, an award-winning book, which was another podcast. We'll put a link in the blog to Making Yourself Indispensable, The Power of Personal Accountability. Mark is considered as a practical visionary for top executives in many Fortune 500 companies. He's been on CNBC, Bloomberg, Fortune Magazine, and have recognized him as top authority on how companies can end blame in the ranks and credit a place where people want to work because they can produce results. Uh, He's worked for companies like Kaiser and Genentech and Roche and Honda, and the list goes on and on. He holds a bachelor's degree in social science and applied statistics and a master's degree in management, special emphasis in organizational development from University of California, Irvine. And he and I both have a master's degree in applied psychology from the University of Santa Monica, where we went and got a degree in spiritual psychology. So awesome, Mark. Thanks for being on the show and taking time to just speak with my listeners. Now, you say this is a roadmap for bold leadership, and your book is really about corporations that are stuck and they want to find a way out of being stuck. And it's not just corporations, because when corporations are stuck, people are stuck. Um, That's right. You mentioned that they are stuck in what you call Mm -hmm. A state. Can you give our listeners a little bit of explanation of the differences between the A state and the B state? I think it's a great context.
2: Yeah. um, And thanks, Greg. It's, it's, It's such an important issue today because there's so much change and change is happening so fast. And it's really easy uh, to get stuck in A-State because A-State is focused on looking at what's not working and improving it. And that's a really important thing to do. We all have to do that personally and then as corporations. And we have so many important systems that help us to do that, whether it's lean or it's agile in corporations or our own personal growth to do. But here's where the dilemma comes. And that is if I take something that doesn't work and I make it better, all I've got is a better current state. I don't have a transformed state. And so you can work on all of your problems and all of your issues and keep improving it, but you're still stuck in the same paradigm that you're currently in. What B-State is, is taking a look at where do we wanna be two to three years from now, or even just as soon as a year from now, and saying <clears throat> if i could just start over again practically you know like a clean slate what kind of dramatic change could i create based on where you know if it's a corporation where the organization is going but for me personally if i've been stuck in, in and out of relationships or i've been stuck on you know uh going on diets and you know getting off diets and gaining the weight back Like, what is that future state and really getting so uh, clear on that breakthrough state? That's what B state stands for. It's the breakthrough state that I actually create an environment and behaviors in which the old problems of a state simply don't exist. It's a whole different approach.
1: Well, I, I think what you're talking about is creating an that is sustainable. Um,
2: you know, yes. people
1: vacillate between these states, right? Um, That's right. And it's not like there's not like a button that you turn on and off to to get from one state to the other. It usually is. It usually is a glad, gradual tra- transition unless somebody has some major life threatening something that happens and they change the state. And I'm talking personally now, but it's the same thing for a corporation. You know, you cite these examples in your book about, you know, Kodak was one he used, you know. Hey, they were in an A state. Well, wake up, guys. You know, the reality is the world's passing you by. But there's been lots of companies like that. Um, uh, Kyocera was one, I think, too, as well. But um, in the cell phone company that had a, a huge market share, Nokia, Right. So, yes. you know, you, you look at these companies and you go, well, dudes, were you guys in A state? Um, So <laughs> you you discovered B state in 1983 when you were a team building facilitator. Can you tell our listeners the story of what happened to create the epiphany for you really regarding this B state, this shift in consciousness, this shift in your total
2: being as an individual? Yeah, I was doing team building and, and honestly getting great results, great evaluations. I was, you know, people loved the work and I was going back to one of the organizations. I had worked with their senior management team and I had done the team building with them and this is about three months later and I was literally walking through the halls and people were so excited to see me and so thrilled because of the work that we did. They were, you know, literally giving me hugs and thanking me and One person, you know, stopped me and said, I can't, you know, tell you how appreciative I am because it literally changed my life. I'm so much, you know, more aware now. It's improved my relationships at at home and and at work. And I go, gosh, that's great. I said, and how's the team doing? Oh, well, the team is just as dysfunctional as ever, but we all agreed that we loved your workshop. (laughs) and it was like wait wait you know here my ego was getting bigger my head was getting bigger and then all of a sudden it's like there you know i came crashing down in the moment that you know i got the realization that the team was still dysfunctional and i said we got to do something different and um and i that's when i realized and i you know i i literally made a commitment to study all the organizations i had worked with for two years uh, for the next two years and really try to uncover what was the breakdown. And it was a breakdown of a lack of accountability, but it was also a breakdown of lack of vision, lack of purpose. And and that to me is the biggest part of B-State. B-State gives people a sense of purpose that is not just a dream, not just a vision of, you know, of result, but it's actually based on how are you showing up differently in two years if you were to accomplish everything that you're wanting to achieve? How would you have yeah. to be showing up differently?
1: Well, and the, and the thing that I think a lot of times happens in companies of almost any size is, you know, you talk about the soft side of things. This really isn't the soft side. I mean, no. when really people look at their balance sheet and they, they look at the human capital element, which is what we're talking about here. Um, this becomes a big issue. And in your chapter on raising consciousness, you discussed a pro you discuss a process for success that has three elements. You call it releasing feeling and acting. Can you explain yeah. this process and why Uh, It works so well in helping people and organizations. And I'm gonna—I use the word in the question, change—but I'm really gonna start talking to you in terms of transformation, because you know that's what you do. You know, once you're a crystallist and you turn into a butterfly, you can't go back to a crystallist. So that's right. We we really want a transformation. We don't want to change because actually, you can say you changed and then you can change back again.
2: That's exactly correct. That's exactly yeah. right. And that's A-State, quite honestly. That is the A-State. You're constantly improving, and then you're constantly going back, and you never seem to get where you want to go because it, it just doesn't happen fast enough or permanently enough. And and that's why we start with this concept of releasing. You've got to release yourself from the past. What people, what people in A-State do, even the ones that are dedicated to improvement, is they're bringing the past and dragging it with them like a ball and chain, and it, it prevents them from actually morphing into something completely different. And so the releasing is a real key part. And then the next part is you've got to not only imagine what you want it to look like, but you have to actually have to start to get clear enough around the behaviors and the feelings that go with it. Like, how would I feel if I was a top-performing person every day when i woke up you know and they you, you've heard the 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 statement it's like are you waking up and going to work as if today is the super bowl you know it's like that day you're going to feel very different than any other day and and yet we don't get into that feeling and so therefore we drop into our a state feelings not our breakthrough feelings and and it affects our confidence. It affects our awareness. It affects our clarity. It's like, are you up really thinking and embodying the breakthrough state that you want to have? And that's a feeling. That's you can feel it when you're in it. You can feel it when you're out of it. You can sense your what you're thinking about, and that then becomes your barometer to keep it going. But then the most important piece is once you have that feeling, you got to act on it. You can't hesitate. You can't. Hold back, you can't play small as we talked about in our making yourself indispensable book. You got to play big because breakthrough state is a big state, it's our bigger self, it's our stronger self. And the whole point it's is, the, it's there, know. Mark. I, I, yeah,
1: yeah. And and I want to ask you a question and, and sidebar to this is that you know, fear people always say, Well, fear is the false expectation appearing real, but yeah. to many people. The fear of any of this moving forward is that it's like the demarcation line. It's like, okay, yeah. Mark, I'm not stepping over that line because if I step over that line, I've already created a picture that doesn't look so good. What, how do you help companies step over the line and accept the fact that if you don't take this B state, right, that yeah. you're really never going to know whether or not you could have succeeded at this or not.
2: Yeah, and it's, I've got a great activity exercise for the listeners listening in, because it's very simple. Anyone can do it. Write down any concern or fear that you have. And, and literally, be, be clear about it. Anything that you're concerned about, worried about, fearful about, just write it down in a sentence what that is. Notice how you feel. Notice how it brings you down. Notice how it keeps negative feelings going, worry, concern, whatever that is. Now, take that same sentence and reframe it as an intention. In other words, instead of focusing on the fear, what is it that you really want instead of that fear showing up? And create an intention of what you would be doing that would alleviate not to, to change the fear but more about what is it you want and notice what that intention is write that down and you'll notice one one immediate change one is you're going to start to feel more confident right away like why because you can do something about that that's your intention where the fear no longer exists and that's what we do with organizations we just work with one i just got back yesterday i was mentioning you know from cleveland we're working with the hospital has struggled with patient experience and really improving patient care for years, and we got them focused on patient-centered care. We got them focused on making that B state so important that you measure everything you do on is it patient-centered or not. Well, the whole game, within six months, they are now breaking all sorts of records on improvement of patient experience, Quality of care has improved significantly. We're talking step changes in six months with a thousand, over 1,000 people. Like, that's huge change in a short period of time. But we, 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 we redirected them from re- focusing on the metrics of how bad they were, they were last quartile in the system, to now focus on what you want. Focus on what is, what is that picture of success for patient centered look like. And now, Let's just demonstrate that. And it got the whole, every employee literally is focused on it. And they said buy-in has been 75% and they never even asked for buy-in. All they asked is, is this the right thing to do or not? Is this our purpose? Yes. And this is is BMC.
1: Is this BMC? Is that who you're talking about?
2: No, this is actually a different organization. We did the same thing with Baxter, you know, with the BMC organization and we just got back their results. I didn't have it for the book. In three years, they are now more profitable, highest patient-centered, uh, rather patient experience, highest morale ever in over twelve years.
1: <laughs> got it. Like, yeah, just you know, there's no records. The the thing that goes along with this, right, is is releasing, feeling, and acting, and this right raising of one's consciousness. Um, I worked a lot with Richard Barrett and it's uh, liberating the corporate soul. Right. And you know, everybody in the industry knows that you have to be a lifelong learner, learner. And you know, to get to this B state, you're you got to continue to grow and expand and learn, expand people's uh, ability to learn. Can you explain your comfort, panic, punishment cycle to the listeners as it relates to continual learning.
2: Yes. And and this is really, really important. Here's the, here's the catch. As human beings, we are in constant evolution and growth, whether we like it or not. It's just the way it is. We're in that physically, we're in that mentally and emotionally. And when we were young, when we were four, five, six years old, we loved learning. We loved growth. We loved imagination and trying these things. And we—that was a natural time of B state. Like you would, as a kid, you would think, "Oh, I want to be a fireman, or I want to be Superman, or I want to be a princess, or I want—you know, like I want to be a business person, whatever it is." But you would imagine and play that, and so you embodied it with no hesitation. You didn't have to do it right. You didn't have to get it perfect. You didn't have to know about it ahead of time you can imagine it. Somewhere along the line, through our education and through parents and through friends, we start to judge against ourselves, compare ourselves to others, and then we don't want to do it unless we're going to be good at it. We don't want to be shamed. We don't want to be put down. And so now, all of a sudden, growth and evolution has become almost punishing. So what people do is they get in their comfort zone, and they think that, okay, I'm now going to settle. I've gone to enough school. I don't need to learn anymore. You know, I've, you know and, and we start to settle for what's comfortable and get stuck. The problem is the whole world is constantly evolving and people are constantly evolving. So when that change rubs up against our comfort, then we go into panic. We go into fear that, oh my gosh, we're going to get passed up or I won't be able to get another job or, you know, I won't find a good relationship because the last one didn't work and the one before that didn't work. So, we start to get in this panic mode, and then we go into a punishment mode where we now get either harsh on ourselves. In corporations, they go through major downsizing and layoffs and do all sorts of things. And in corporations, they say, Don't worry, you know, you're going to, if you survive the layoff, we'll make you comfortable again afterwards. And we make air, we, the whole goal in companies today is is how do we make you comfortable? How do we make you feel good rather than what the goal should be in every organization is how do we help you grow? How do we make sure you're constantly growing and evolving to keep up with society's continual evolution? And that's the whole thing that we're promoting here is that you've got to be a lifelong learner. You don't really have an option. It's now yeah, a question, and, you know, of do you resist it or do you go with it?
1: I think what you're teaching is the ability to be more resilient, right? Yes, and absolutely. resiliency is a key in anything and I love this quote you know because you're talking about this comfort panic and change and 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 all of these elements Mark Twain said and and this is a great quote twenty years from now you will be more disappointed by the things that you didn't do than the ones you did do so throw Gosh. off the bow line, sail away from the safe harbor catch the trade winds in your sails and explore dream and discover I don't think there could be a better like little statement from somebody that's saying, okay, if you really want to go for that brass ring, you got to reach for it. Right. And you, yes. you mentioned that building trust and support and effective communications is not a one size fits all And in, inside big corporations or small. It doesn't matter. The key is effective communications and building trust. People do team yeah. building exercises. They go on rope courses. They do all kinds of things to get here. Can you yeah. speak with us about creating B state, team agreements that really work and i've seen this happen where they don't always work
2: yes yeah because generally what we do is we create guidelines or come out with here's how everyone is going to operate and we you know we're going to be open at team meetings to speak our minds and we're going to listen effectively and all of these things but the the problem with what that is, is we can agree to it in concept and theory and philosophy and even intention, but that doesn't mean we're going to do it. <laughs> and then, But we do expect everybody else to do it. And then when other people aren't doing it, we say, well, that agreement really didn't work, or those guidelines didn't work. And now we revert back to, again, our old A-state behaviors. What we do with the team agreement is we get a general intention, like a guideline. Let's say it's you know let's speak openly at team meetings and then we start to look at it individually instead of collectively and we say what is it that's going to keep you individually from being able to speak openly at team meetings and for some people it's going to be well i'm afraid it won't be held confidential okay that's one issue now that may not be everybody's issue but that's one person's issue and then another person says well I'm really afraid that, you know, I'm going to get blamed for what I say. So I don't want to speak openly if there's going to be attack, um, if there's going to be um, uh, retribution after the meeting. I don't want to speak up. Now, here's what one other person would say, and it may not relate to anything else. And that is, I don't want to have an agreement where we all speak openly at team meetings if people are going to go into tangents, take the, the space for 15 minutes and not allow anyone else to speak. A whole different view of openness around it. But here's the point. At the end of the day, what we want to get is an agreement that has all these conditions based on the individual players and making sure that we can agree to honor each person's issues and challenges with being open so that we truly create a supportive environment. So instead of it being a group agreement, it's actually an agreement to a set of individual conditions that's going to make everybody safe regardless. And sometimes the agreement is to make an exception for one individual. Like Mm -hmm. one person Mm -hmm. said, I'm too shy to openly share, and someone asked me to share. And the group said, yeah, no problem, as long as you're willing to share. We don't mind asking you as opposed to you volunteering. And they did this for literally was their agreement. An exception for one person was part of their agreement. And what was amazing was having that safety, six months later, that person no longer even needed that condition. She was now volunteering like everybody else.
1: Wow, and it just shows the power of you know the things that you're teaching in the B-State book. And and one of them that I, I found really interesting, and you have a chart and a diagram, several of them actually in the book, around creating positive momentum. And you know, there's three yeah. stages to this. Can you also mention how B state energy creates optimum performance within the organization? And obviously with the things we've been talking about, when you get to this B state, you're going to create optimum performance. Can you speak with us about the three stages of creating positive momentum and how this kind of assists in making or helping uh, create B state energy?
2: Yeah, and it's such an important concept to understand for all of us. And it's, I'll tell you, I relate it to a runner. So if, you, if you're if you a sprinter and you've got your, your feet on the blocks, ready to go for a 100-yard sprint, and you're waiting for the gun to go off that's going to be the starter gun, those first few steps are the hardest steps in the entire race because you have to build up so much energy and and effort to put into those three steps just to get started. And I kind of look at it as you put in you know, five times the amount of effort and energy just to go one step when you're starting from scratch. And that's the same when you're going through change. Those first steps when you're trying to make a change are the most difficult, and that's where you're the most vulnerable because you might give up and say, oh, that's so hard, let me start over. You know, and you go into judging yourself too much at that time, and whatever. Rather than just getting into the action and the movement. Now, as you get into the race, it now becomes a one-for-one one ratio. It's like one one amount of effort gives you one step, rather than five amounts of energy and effort gives you one step. Because you now have your rhythm. You start to begin to create a flow, and that's the thing that's missing in most organizations. They don't have a sense of flow, even in personally. Do we create a flow with ourselves or are we constantly starting and stopping and starting and stopping, which creates the struggle, which puts us right back into how hard things are because we're having to stop, start again, like diets, like exercise programs, like getting organized. And all of that becomes just horribly difficult because we're keeping ourselves in that first stage of action, which is the hardest stage. But once you get into the flow of a one-for-one, one, you're now in movement. Now you just got to keep up the movement. Don't, don't question yourself. Don't go back into A state. Keep going. And what it turns into is momentum. You know you're in momentum as a runner because you can't stop. It's well, like, it's sustainable. You know, It's, it's sustainable. You're, and, yeah, yeah you're,
1: and con- every- you're creating a systemic ecosystem by the B state – whereas you're not in the A state. And and I love this part of the book. You know, you started off with a quote by Peter Drucker, say the best way to predict the future is to create it. You speak about the leadership team needing to create meaningful pictures of success, which you talked about a second ago, and a purpose statement, which you already mentioned, but that it cannot be done from the old mindset. We're going to talk about the A state. Or we'll end up with the same set of problems. And you also cited the quote from Einstein, keep doing the same thing and expecting different results is the definition of insanity. Yeah, it is. How do you help companies shift out of what I call stinking thinking?
2: Yes. You know, the best way I can describe it is I, I got a group once and there were three different departments. And they had the lowest morale, the lowest performance. And before they got together to work with me, all three departments separately, without even knowing the other departments were doing this, they all got together to strategize how they were going to attack the other two departments when we brought them all together. (laughs) And they were so polarized. They were so negative. And what I did was I started with what are the things you can't control that you have to respond to? Like, that's the thing that we all have to deal with. If I don't respond to getting my weight down, I'm going to end up with diabetes or some other ailment. If I don't start exercising, my I'm going to get aches and pains in my body that, you know, personally. Well, organizations have the same thing. So they identified something and they all agreed with it. And then I said, great, let's let pretend you're coming to work for the first time and there's a, it's a clean slate, no history. How would you guys need to function if you – we're actually opti- already optimized as you work together to accomplish that very big breakthrough result that you have to do in within a year. And they gave me all sorts of things that, you know, like working together and being transparent, solving problems together. I great, great. Are you guys doing any of that now? No, we don't do any of that now. I said, good. So let's really describe what that's going to look like. Let's drill that down into new habits. Of execution. And by the time we were done, everybody was aligned. Everyone has already started working together. This was one day, a one day transformation. And two people came up to me at the end and said, Yeah, but you didn't deal with all of our complaints about the other two teams. I said, That's okay. I said, Look at what you've created as commitments that you've all committed to and you've all agreed to. If you operate that way, now look at your complaints and tell me what you notice. And their comment was so profound, they looked back and forth for a while, and they said, well, these problems simply don't exist. I said, that's right. You don't have to solve the problems of the past. You have to create a new environment where those problems no longer exist. They can't even live in the new commitments, in the new environment. That's the essence of B-State. That's why it works so fast.
1: That goes right along with the B-State agreements, I think, once you get there. Yes. You know, you have to create those agreements amongst the teams and amongst the people in the organization to sustain it. Now, to kind of sum up our interview, you are an accountability thought leader. And the B-State accountability flourishes in environments where people can count on others' attitudes, behaviors, and actions to produce their shared, sustainable, desired result. Now, that's a mouthful, but... We get where this is going. Speak with us, if you would, about the importance of the three key factors of the B state of accountability. Because in the end, the way you do exercise any muscle is you make a commitment. You either have a coach or you keep working the same muscles, right, to build them up so that you attain a new body. Well, now you're going to work these muscles inside the company. So tell us how you, as a thought leader in accountability, help people continue to lift the weights and not get lazy.
2: Yes. Here's, here's the real catch. And, and this is the part that to me is both the secret to accountability and it's the secret to be state. And we emphasize this more than anything else. At some point, you're going to get lazy. At some point, you're going to revert back to old ways. When you get stressed out and overwhelmed, we typically go back to A-state behaviors. That's just called natural. And the problem that most people have is we judge against ourselves for it. Like we say, oh, I'm not accountable enough. I don't have enough willpower. I'm not strong enough. None of that's true. Because every human being that I've ever asked, and I ask this to thousands of people, when you start being successful with a new habit, a new way of doing things, and you get stressed out, what happens? we go back to the old way. So great. Now, let's let's just call that normal and now let's prepare for it. And that's why I focus so much and there's I believe a whole chapter in this in the book on proactive recovery plans. The game is not being perfect at this. The game is not about keeping all of your agreements and doing everything correct. The game is really about how do you catch yourself quickly when you start to get off track and What's your plan for getting back on track as soon as possible? That's the game. It's a game of fast recovery, not a game of perfection. Because as human beings, we're going to drop the ball. Every top athlete has done that. Every top musician has done that. That's not where the issue is. The issue is always in how fast do I recover so the audience doesn't find out? How fast do I recover so that the customer isn't negatively impacted? How fast do I recover? So I don't start repeating my habits of A state. I just flip back, take a breath, get back into B state. And everybody has a different recovery plan, but generally it means let's remind myself of my purpose, not what just went wrong. Let me take the next action to live my purpose. Let's get back to the feeling of my purpose and act on that. And boom, we're back in the, And it gets right back to the release release the mistake you just made, go back into feeling what your A, what your B state is and take an action. And now all of a sudden you create a whole different momentum.
1: Well, that's a great mantra, what you just said. Um, And especially the part about releasing and then the part about action, right? Releasing, feeling, action. It's a, it's a, it's a feeling, because look, if you miss your workout a lot of times you don't feel good about yourself. So you beat yourself up. That goes to the punishment cycle you talked about. That's
2: but the right. the reality
1: is if you do miss it, then get back as quickly as you can. And that's what you're telling people. And that's what creates good accountability and has people flourish in these environments. And Mark, no, really, you have a wealth of, what do I want to call small, little, tiny behavioral and habit changes people can use in this book to change a beast, to create a beast state, you know, um, uh, BF fog, tiny habits and James clear the atomic habits, right? Your book is as much about changing states of, of how we do things so that we can overall shift the state of consciousness. I want to highly recommend this book to my listeners. This is called B state. And we've been on with Mark Samuel. Um, you can actually learn more about the book at B-State, that's B-S-D-A-T-E ecom com. Uh, you can, you'll have, we'll have a link to Amazon to purchase Mark's book. So go up to B-State, look at the video. Uh, he's got some offers there as well, some tools, some resources. And this is a new roadmap for bold leadership, uh, brave cultures, and breakthrough results this isn't only just a book that works in business. It works personally as well, although it works well for people who are in business or running businesses. Yeah. Okay. Yes, for sure. Um, any last word you'd like to leave with our listeners before we conclude our podcast today?
2: Well, Greg, this has been, first of all, just a great interview. I so love the parts of the book that you brought forward and talked about. And uh, I mean, really, it just, it, it it this it, this interview reflects the depth that you bring to interviews through your consciousness. And A, I just so appreciate that. If there was something simple that I could give for every reader, it's don't focus on what you don't want. Focus on what you do want. It's like that's, A-State is all about making yourself better because you don't like the way you are. Let's not go there. Let's create a B state because that's what you want to be, not as a, as a reaction to what you don't want, but more about your own potential. It's like strive for your own potential as an evolutionary being and be, have fun doing it. Go back to being four or five years old in your consciousness when you absolutely loved and were willing to try things. And it didn't mean that you had to be successful the first time. You just go for it because It fits your innate gifts and it fits your dreams and desires. And just start making that happen without the judge and the jury along the way. Create a picture for it. Take small steps.
1: Great advice for our listeners, whether you're the CEO of the company, you're the CFO, you're the COO, you're in IT. It doesn't matter. The B state is where you want to take your company. That's where you want to take yourself. You actually have to have each individual attain that B state uh, before the company can actually make its transformation, so Mark, thanks for bringing some transforming wisdom uh, to our listeners. We appreciate you being on Inside Personal Growth, and for all my listeners, look to the blog entries. Uh, we'll have links to the book. We'll have links to Bstate dot com. We'll have link to Mark Samuels' uh, website itself. Thanks so much, Mark. Have a great day.
2: Thank you, Greg. Appreciate it.
0: This podcast is brought to you by Todd Rose, the author of a new book entitled The End of Average, How We Succeed in a World That Values Sameness. Please listen to podcast number 703, where Greg and Todd have a lively discussion about how our society has embraced standardization. Yet, people are individuals, and if you are going to inspire the best in people and you want them to reach their human potential, you need to respect and allow them to embrace their individuality. Todd has connected a lot of research about our flawed systems and proves to the reader that there is a better way. Please listen to podcast number 703 with author Todd Rose about his new book entitled The End of Average. If you want to learn more about Todd, his new book, his talks, or his projects at Harvard, please visit www.toddrose.com. We hope you enjoy this interview with author Todd Rose about his new book, The End of Average.